0: Anyone that I actually aspired to be like, I would just reach out and say, did you have any advice on how I could kickstart my career and eventually become you one day? What was your journey like? And really have other perspectives put in place as well while I was doing it. So yeah, that was a big part of the journey.
1: In wrapping up the crazy year of 2020, the producers of our podcast decided that we didn't want to do a special episode looking back at some of the big stories we've covered, Instead, we decided we wanted to revisit some conversations we've had over the last couple of years, so over the next few weeks, we'll be talking to some past guests to see what they've been up to. One other thing before I go, we will be posting our annual list of most popular episodes on our website on January 1st, so if you're not too hungover, check out itsalljournalism.com to find out which episodes our listeners love the most. In the meantime, enjoy the holidays and have a happy new year. I spoke to Sarah Ramon-Thomas back in April. You remember, she was a recent college graduate in Australia. She was just starting her career in journalism back then. And I thought it'd be interesting to see what was going on and and what things are like for a brand new journalist in 2020. It turned out to be a great conversation when I spoke to her last time, and I hope it'll be the same this time. Welcome back to the podcast, Sarah.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me in these uh, unprecedented and cliche saying times.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny because I look back at when we spoke, and although we posted the podcast episode in April, which was, was fraught with lots of, you know, things to be fraught about in COVID land in the United States, we'd actually spoken, I think, probably a month or so prior to that. So <laughs> a lot's happened since you and I have, have both, both spoken, and your job situation has, has changed as well. So it's sort of a starting point. When we last spoke, you were working as an intern to sort of tell me about that position and then how you, you know, what happened after that?
0: Yeah. So this time last year, I'd been a graduate for about a year. I was working in marketing for a high school and I was volunteering at World Vision Australia. I was really just trying to make it. I was doing everything in my power. To get the dream job and to have a career and to do something that i loved every day and it was very very challenging no matter how hard i tried it just wasn't working out for me and then this year was complete 180. believe it or not even though we're in a pandemic i probably had one of the best years of my life from a professional standpoint so just as the pandemic hit literally the week of i got a role in marketing communications at philanthropy australia so it's about, I guess, promoting and storytelling for the philanthropic sector in a non-for-profit organisation. So it was a yeah really amazing role and it has been so far. And on the side of that, I got a role as the Chief Communications Officer for the United Nations Youth Australia, which is Australia's largest youth-led non-for-profit. So these all happened at the same time. So it was a bit of a whirlwind and some really, really good positions. And to be honest... I don't think I could have balanced all the things I did this year unless I was working from home. So, blessing in disguise.
1: So, yes, blessing. Well, I'm glad the, the year was good for you. I'm glad somebody had a good time in 2020. Not to complain, but we're moving forward. 2021 is just around the corner and there I think there are going to be a lot of things to look forward to. So, do you have a marketing job and then you're also in you know chief of communications operations at the United Nations Youth Australia. Tell me a little bit about the marketing job. What, what is it you do there? So it's just a
0: marketing officer. So it's an entry-level role in marketing communications. And I basically work in a small knit team to liaise with our membership base who are philanthropists and non-for-profits, as well as showcasing the work that Philanthropy Australia does to governments and um, the rest of the country. So it's been a bit of an interesting side of non-for-profit. The cliche mainly working in this space would be a lot of this role would entail like trying to get donations as our main source of revenue and promoting people to give back to charities and help and poverty. It's a complete contrasting version of that. So philanthropy is seeing the other side of it, seeing the people that do come from a, a wealthy background and do want to give large sums of wealth back to the community and basically it's just all about giving so it's seeing that side of it it's very um it's a lot more rewarding and less pulling at your heartstrings every day it's seeing the good side you know that there is people out there trying to do the right thing so yeah i didn't expect to come into a role like this in the charitable space i'd never really even thought about it
1: now you were working for a a non-profit before right or at least volunteering
0: Yes. So World Vision was very, um, Australia's largest NGO. So it was very all about sponsorship and, you know, a lot of the content I was working with was all about ending poverty and helping children and that type of thing. So it was always hearing about, you know, the very heartfelt, very sad stories. So waking up every day, it was actually, it was fulfilling, but I just, you know, it was very uh, hard to deal with on a day-to-day basis.
1: In your new role, are you, Going after grants, or you're going after donations, or, or is it something sort of different?
0: So the people that we work with, the people that either are giving the grants out, or people come to us to seek out grants for, cer- for certain areas of funding. So it can be either, either.
1: You know, entry level position. So you're, I take a you're on a team doing projects?
0: It's a very broad team as well in terms of people's skill sets. So I'm probably just like the youngest kickstarting her career type person. But then we've got a storyteller on the team as well who tells stories about the philanthropic community. And then we have our marketing director and we've got senior people as well. So it's a really good place to learn, to grow. And I definitely am very blessed at the moment because I think it's somewhere I'm going to stay for a long time.
1: So you say you're working out of your house or you're working out of your home or where where you live. What has that been like? I mean, it must be a sort of a strange transition that you, you've been sort of hunting for a regular job and when you finally get it, you're actually kind of stuck at home.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting part because it's definitely been difficult to keep learning from people around me because at the stage of life that I'm in, I just want to observe and learn from the people that have had A wide range of life experience. And on top of that, not only am I not surrounded by them, but everyone this year has just been going through their own challenges, right? I mean, not everyone has been very present or available or is very approachable at this time, including myself. Everybody's had their highs and lows. And in a year where a lot of my drive was essentially blocked, I definitely had some days where all I wanted to do was wake up and get the stuff done that I had to get done and then kind of just not do anything else, whereas if we were in, you know, not COVID world, I would have been very excited, first in the office, like eager to learn and eager to give it 110%. So I don't think every day this year was that for anyone. So yeah, it was very hard to, I guess, give these positions everything that I wanted to give them.
1: So it must be really kind of strange, you know, as you said, you're starting out your career and, you know, you find yourself, in this, do you feel like you have to self-manage yourself a lot?
0: Yeah. Yes, I do. I think everyone in this situation has to self-manage themselves and has to be proactive regardless of, you know, being around people that you can ask for support from. But I, I actually enjoyed that challenge. I think it will show people that I'm willing to do the work and can be proactive on my own, as well as stick around when times are tough to enjoy the good parts as well. So I actually thought If I can show them that I can do this, then it will take me further, especially as a first impression. So that was kind of the way I always looked at it.
1: You know, when we talked last year, one of the things that impressed me about you was that you were really a go-getter. I mean, you reached out to us and pitched us an an interview. Hey, I'm just starting out. You know, you're pitching us. You have no (laughs) real journalism background, but you want to be in a journalism podcast, which is fine. But, you know, that's somebody who has a degree of confidence in themselves So, you know, you were able to secure this job. So tell me about what you're doing with the United Nations.
0: So the United Nations Youth Australia is essentially all about empowering young people to create change, educating them on global issues so they can change the world. And it's just a bunch of young people under the age of 25 that essentially want to do that. And I was the chief of communications for them. So anything external facing, media releases, et cetera, all communications was overseen by me from a national and divisional level. So every state in Australia had a communications director and I would also oversee them. So it was a really big responsibility coming into the role and it was all about just empowering young people and showcasing the work we were doing to shape the future for the next generation.
1: Now, is that something you're still doing now?
0: Yeah, it is actually, until the end of the year. So I only got to live this term during COVID. But in saying that, I think it was something I needed to do in this time it was very high pressure role and it's probably not something i could have balanced as well as working at philanthropy and doing a couple of other things without having the freedom of just being at my desk all year so (laughs) i've learned a lot and i'm ready to uh take what i've learned and take it elsewhere
1: you know once you figure out that you've got nowhere to go (laughs) and you've got to just put your head head down and work what you can accomplish, provided you can stay motivated. What do you do to motivate yourself?
0: I'm a morning person. I found that every day in COVID, if I just woke up every day and went for a run or went outside before I started my day, it was a day that I could stay driven and stay in some sort of routine and just remember that and feel a bit alive. Because I think in COVID, some days for a lot of people, it was very like, I did nothing. I slept for majority of the day and I felt like I had no purpose just waking up early every day made me feel like I had some sort of purpose and a reason to get out of bed. And every day that I did that was always a good day. And days where I didn't and decided not to, yeah, they went in a complete opposite direction.
1: You know, I I think about this when I was out of work in 2019. You know, obviously I was looking for a job, but at the same time, I made it a point to make sure that I continued, you know, to get up, you know, make myself presentable like I was going into an office and give myself tasks to do so that I just didn't sit in front of the television all day, which is what I would have done. And that helped in a lot of different ways. It it helped me to stay organized. It helped me to stay sane and keep my confidence going on. You know, when you're looking for a job, you put out a lot of resumes and you're trying to get attention. How long were you looking for a job before you landed these two?
0: After I graduated, I'd say I was probably looking for a year for a passion job. So not just something that I was working to get my foot in the door, but a solid year of just searching and searching and applying for the right role and doing everything in my power to get there. So not just looking online and being like, oh, there's a job here, but just looking for organisations and similar to what I did with you, kind of pitching myself for someone that they would need to be employed there or reaching out to people that I wanted to be like. Um, So literally going like, above and beyond in terms of like head of communications, chief of marketing, like anyone that I actually aspired to be like, I would just reach out and say, did you have any advice on how I could kickstart my career and eventually become you one day? Um, what was your journey like? And really have other perspectives put in place as well while I was doing it. So yeah, that was a big part of the journey.
1: Yeah. It seems like sort of an extension of education that, you know, the process of you just reaching for you know what the next step of your life is going to be but realizing it's not just a matter that the ideal job maybe you know may not be out there or you may not be ready for it but you know taking advantage of you know these connections you're making so you can what is it going to take for me to get this this dream job how did you end up landing these two jobs
0: I just put my hat in the ring for them so both of them I saw online and both were above my niche but I thought if I don't if I don't try I will never know and I think a lot of how I got both of the roles was definitely my personality and passion in my interview as well as my uniqueness. So highlighting that not only do I have this skill set, but I think I, my character plus my skill set, and why I should be above anyone else in this position because of those unique skill sets. So I'm very big on highlighting what makes me different, you know, that's the strength, right? You shouldn't have to be like everyone else. Like everyone has that degree. Everyone's done internships and everyone's gone above and beyond. But what were some things that were different about me? And then in the interview, just to be, just to be charismatic, I'd always do something that was quite memorable. Um, So for this role at philanthropy, it was actually a very, very wet day. And I came in very drenched, looked a bit of a mess. Really didn't think I had it at all, but um, I thought that was, you know, one thing that I could be like, well, at least they'll remember me, the girl that came in, you know, very wet. (laughs) She was very damp. Um, And then the other position, I basically just didn't leave them alone until I got a no, because it took a lot of time for them to get back to me. And I was just like, excuse me, I'm still really keen. If you need someone, I think it should be me. Four, five, six times, however many times. And I actually ended up getting that role on my birthday this year. So lots of stars aligning if you believe in that sort of thing.
1: So <laughs> don't take this question in the wrong way, but how did you get like this? <laughs> because, you know, I've been working for a few decades and, you know, you know, when you're out looking for a job, when you're out planning your career, people will tell you these types of things. And sometimes these are things that you have to learn. And sometimes these are things that you don't learn right away. But you seem to have you've got a very forward-looking attitude. You're very confident. You're pesky in a good way. And pesky is probably not the best word for it. You're diligent in your pursuit of what you're doing. Is this something that you've consciously done or is this something that you, uh, just who you are?
0: I really just think it's who I am. I do it not only throughout my professional life, but in my personal life as well. I think a lot of my approach is just, I'm very enthusiastic and I've got one shot at my life. So why not make it the one I really genuinely want to live? Because I have the opportunity to do that. And working in an for profit space, I see and hear every single day that people are just never going to have that chance. And I have it sitting right in front of me. So why don't I just do the best that I can to be the best person that I can be and, and live the best life?
1: Okay. So you're, you're 25, right? I'm 22. You're 22. 22. You just you, you went from 21 to 22 since we last spoke. Okay, so you're twi- you're 22. What job do you want to have when you're 30?
0: I was thinking about this question cuz I thought you were going to ask it to I'm me. I'm so I'm
1: Happy. so yeah, I'm Happy. so obvious. But yeah, go on.
0: <laughs> well, to be honest, by the time I'm 30, I just want to have the freedom to make choices. So the freedom if I want to travel, if I want to have a family, if I want to be, you know, the head of something or I'd like to have the choice by that time in my life. So if I do these things now, I most likely will. But if I had to pick, I'd love to just stay kind of where I am and be in a head of communications role or a chief of communications role or be at that level as soon as I can be. But enjoy the journey getting there, of course. But that's essentially the goal. And I'm in the right position now to get there.
1: Okay. You've got eight years before you get to 30. What do you see as our milestones going forward that you sort of want to reach?
0: I think, well, this role is smack bang in the middle of the city of Melbourne. So I was really excited for a lot of the milestones to be the adventure, the meeting people along the way, having my perspective shifted by lots of different characters and really just like playing it by ear in all of my decision making. So a lot of the opportunities that come my way to kind of just go for them, whether it involves travel, whether it involves like a year blitz, whether it involves helping other people on projects that aren't really like massively in the direction that I even need to go in, but just kind of taking every opportunity to learn as much as I can and being quite impulsive doing that is a lot of the milestones that I hope I get exposed to. And one of the things that was definitely halted by COVID this year. So I'm very ready to just kind of be a dreamer and gravitate towards opportunities that come my way.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the COVID situation in, in Australia, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening to this who are really kind of curious. What has been the experience there in Australia?
0: It's been very different for every state and territory. So coming from Melbourne, and if you are from Melbourne listening to this, you will know that we had the most intense lockdown compared to anywhere else in the world. So we were locked down for—I honestly don't even know how long. <laughs> it felt like very. It felt like years. But from about July to October November it was very intense we were in stage four we couldn't really go anywhere nothing was open we had curfews it was yeah it was ridiculously intense so I think um that period of time all I remember doing was being at my computer there was nothing else to do nowhere else to go I'd be at my computer for everything for work to listen to music to talk to people to have zoom virtual calls I was just always on my computer that was the time that i remember didn't really remember what day it was so i think it was very it was very hard to see beyond yourself and what your own life was and the problems that you were facing i just found it a very in your shell time but i think the upside of it was learning and valuing the life that you did have waiting for you. So one of the things that got me through a lot is that I knew I had a great life sitting there waiting for me. I had really good friends, a great family and a really good job just all sitting there waiting. So that made the days a lot easier to get through when it felt like I had nothing going on. Holding on to hope was a big part of it in that intense lockdown in Melbourne because it created that sense of anticipation and it lifted me up and it carried me
1: forward. We're going to run a podcast episode, like actually, when we're recording this in the next week or so, of a man who did a documentary about how newsrooms have sort of had to adapt to covering stories during the COVID crisis. What has the Australian media been like in their coverage of COVID?
0: This has caused a lot of backlash from a young person's perspective. So, a lot of the feedback that I would see was that young people were really frustrated with what was being put out by the media. It was all about just how many cases we had, how many cases we didn't have. It wasn't about like youth unemployment rate. It wasn't about youth mental health. It was very number focused and it was very in your face on a day-to-day basis. And you would wake up and you would just check and see or it be exposed to how many numbers or cases that we had, and you were just itching to see that number be zero. So we were very blinded by, I guess, or distracted by all of these other issues that were underlying due to COVID. And I didn't necessarily think we were exposed to much that was happening outside of our country, let alone our state. So it was even a very niche and isolating time from a media perspective as well.
1: I think, you know, the last two answers that you've given... You know, I think that this is really you know, we can sit here and talk about how it's going to change newsrooms and how how the news, you know, it's going to change the way people cover things, how journalists cover things, but you know, I think this experience is changing people's attitudes about a lot of things, not the least of which is how we do our jobs. You know, if we're able to do 90% of our job at our home and our desk, you know, why do I want to get sit in traffic every day to sit in an office? when I could do most of my work comfortably at home. I think once this passes and it will pass, I think it's going to really change a lot of things, the way people do their jobs, the way they, they view their lives. What you just described about how you're kind of insular and you're inside your home focused on your computer, you know, and how sort of eliminating that, that must feel. And you're at least holding on to and looking forward to something that you've got going on out of this. I think a lot of people are doing that. They're thinking about when this is over, I'm going to do X or I'm going to do this because <laughs> because they're crazy and they want to go out. They want to get out and do something meaningful. I think that's a, sort of the mental trade-off that we have here. <laughs> okay, so, you know, what's next for you?
0: So, yeah, I guess one of the things that's also been happening to me is I've become – I've been joining some non-for-profit boards. So that's been something new, being a decision maker in youth advocacy and in the philanthropic sector. So I think I want to start looking a bit more into that and having a bit more of a strategic lens, as well as giving everything to the current opportunity that I have. I'm really content with where I am. I want to stay here and do that our best I can t- to learn and to grow.
1: That's That seems like... Uh... And I trust your your family is doing well?
0: Yeah, no, everyone has been um, actually, you know, happy and employed during this time. And we have a very big house, so it doesn't feel like we're all on top of each other always. And I think in ways it's actually brought us closer together. So we're all itching to celebrate the new year and kind of just put this year behind us. <laughs>
1: Yes. Let's put this year behind us. Sarah, you know, this is, again, this has been a really great conversation. I enjoyed talking to you last year. It was great catching up with you. Please, you know, stay in touch. Let me know in another year or, or a few months or whatever, you know, how your life is and career is progressing. I wish you the best.
0: Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Emilia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.